powerful right there. Okay. Let's take your Bibles tonight. We're going to begin in Genesis uh, chapter 1. We're going to look at a few verses for our text verses tonight. Uh, We just finished up a series not that long ago uh, on the subject of faulty philosophies. And we chased through the Scripture looking at different um, biblical examples of people who had the wrong philosophies and the price that it cost them. And so uh, I had a couple more messages I could have preached on that, but I felt like the Lord wanted us to go a different direction. And again, I want to kind of uh, continue our thought from this morning, and uh, especially uh, as uh, we are uh, uh, this particular month, the world is set aside to celebrate their perversion. And as the world gets loud, God's men ought to be louder. Amen. And I want to continue that. And along with the uh, uh, the, the thought of what our young men experienced this week... And the things that uh, the direction as a church, as a pastor, as parents and leadership, the direction we want to be taking our young people. And so tonight I want to preach on this subject, the biblical demise of masculinity and femininity. The biblical demise, uh, the Bible, I'm sorry, the demise of masculinity and femininity. So we're going to look at some things tonight. And I will be preaching uh, some to our young people. Amen. But listen, hey, this is good for all of us to hear. And again, as parents, as leaders, we need to have our minds set where... um, uh, God wants for us to go in the raising of our young people. And you know what? Some of you uh, elderly folk, you senior saints, you're going, when I preach these things, you're going to think back to what it used to be. Amen? And you're going to reminisce to the country you grew up in, and unfortunately that we've strayed from. So if you find your place, stand with me, Genesis chapter 1. And um, <clears throat> we're going to read one verse here, then we're going to flip over to Genesis chapter 5. Look at verse 27. Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. Notice what the Bible says. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And then flip over to Genesis chapter 5. Genesis chapter 5, just a few pages over. Notice what it says in verse 1 and 2. This is the book of the generations of Adam. In the day that God created man, in the likeness of God, made and female. Let's pray. Lord, we love you tonight. We thank you for the opportunity to be in your house. Lord, gathered together as your people, singing your praises. Lord, rejoicing about what you've done and what you're going to do. Now, Lord, as we turn our attention to your word, we ask that you'd meet with us. We ask that you'd speak to us tonight, God. Holy Spirit, we need you to be active in our midst. We need you to move amongst us. We need you to speak to our hearts. And I pray that you do that. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. The demise of masculinity and femininity. You know, there's a satanically orchestrated attempt in our culture to destroy what the Bible says is masculine and what the Bible says is feminine. Amen? Now, Satan has succeeded in breaking down the sacred scriptural boundaries uh, between God's lines of distinction. This may seem harmless, but I'm going to tell you, folks, the toll it's taken on the traditional family structure is devastating. It's devastating. Why is that? Why why does uh, Satan target this so strong? I'll tell you why. Because as goes the family, so goes the church. And as goes the church, so goes the nation. Amen? Listen to me. God's hope is always laid for a nation within God's people. All right, Within God's people. Thursday night, we talked a little bit about intercessory prayer and how that uh, as Christians, we ought to be praying for the nation. We ought to be praying for the leadership. And folks, listen to me. The world's going to always be the world. But you know what? As Christians, we have a responsibility to bear the burden of the righteousness of the nation. Did we not look at that this morning? Amen? The fact that the reason God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah wasn't necessarily because of the sin of sodomy, but it was because there was a lack of righteous people to stand in the hedge and make up the gap. Now listen, Satan knows that. 
So you know what he's going to do? He's going to go after the family. And he's going to, before he goes after the family, he's going to try to break down God's lines of distinction. So let's look at this tonight. Let me give you three areas where God has uh, um, uh, uh, drawn a line and established some things. First of all, number one, God has set a boundary between men and women. Amen. I should have got a lot more amens about that. Alright? So I'm just going to say it again, or I'm going to amen myself. Alright? God has declared a sacred boundary between men and women. There you go. Amen. Keep it up tonight, church. Alright? Keep it up. Listen to me, folks. Three times, I just read to you three verses where God has recorded the sacred boundary in the Scripture. Now, again, I, I, it's, it's a shame we even have to say this, but in our culture, we need to say it, all right? God created two genders. Amen? Two. God created two. By the way, He three times declared His, uh, His declaration of creation. Amen? Three times He declared it. Here's what I say. If God says it once, it's in the Holy Word of God, it's important. Amen? Because it's the Word of God. But if God repeats something, you know what He's saying? Hey, human race, get what I'm saying. That's what God is saying here. And three times He declares, almost verbatim, the fact that He made them male and female. Now, years ago, uh, that wouldn't, uh, you know, preachers getting up and saying that, people have just been like, of course, duh, that's just, that, that's basic common sense. Not today. Amen? Not today. And uh, I saw a thing the other day that said, um, uh, showed a picture of a kid. Dad, is there, is there really uh, 52 genders? And the, and the dad says, no, there's only two. There's 49 other mental disorders. Amen? Right? And isn't that the truth? Listen to me, folks. God has established and set up this boundary between men and women. You know what that means? Gender distinction is God's plan, and gender blending is Satan's plan. Let me say that again, amen. Gender distinction is God's plan. Gender blending is Satan's plan. And listen to me, as Christians, we need to solemnly respect the difference God's created between biblical masculinity and biblical femininity, amen? We need to solemnly respect that. And by the way, let's not be part of the crowd that tries to blur the lines. Amen? Let me tell you something. You ought to be able to, from uh, across the street, look at a person and tell by the way they look, by the way they act, by the way they dress, whether they're male or female. And know without a shadow of a doubt, that's what it ought to be. Amen? By the way, that's the way God has uh, set it up. Number two, God records for us His original intent for both men and women. You don't have to wonder what it is God wants you to do and what God wants you to be. And I understand, as we grow up, young people, you need to figure out exactly, specifically, God's will for your life. I understand that. Amen? It's called God's will for your life. And uh, you need to make sure that you figure out exactly what God's uh, a specific will. But there are some things that you don't have to even wonder about, you don't even have to think about, because they're outlined very clearly in the Scripture. Amen? Because God records His original intent uh, for both men and women. By the way, you know what? Godly young ladies understand and embrace the purpose for which God created her. The first men and women, uh, the men and women were not created at the same time. They were not created in the same way. And they were not created for the same purpose. By the way, the feminine woman uh, the, that wants to honor God and be what God wants to be, above and, and beyond what anybody thinks, wants to make sure that they live a life that pleases the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Christ. By the way, that ought to be the goal for every Christian. Amen? Not what does so-and-so think. Not what does society think. Hey, what's God think about it? Amen? Come on, Christians. That needs to be our mindset. That needs to be the forefront of our mind when it comes into, when, we, when it comes to us making decisions in our lives. Hey, what's God think about it? Amen? But no, you know, it seems like too many people are more concerned about what others think, what family thinks, what society thinks. Who cares what this corrupt society thinks? By the way, if I'm accepted by the society, more than likely I'm rejected by God. Alright? Because I'm going to tell you something. Like we said this morning, you live righteously, you will stick out in this crazy dark world. Amen? Now the Bible tells us what those purposes are. Let's go back and look at them once again. Uh, the verse I just read, Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. So God created man in his own image, and the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. Isn't that amazing, the fact, listen to me, that mankind was the only part of God's creation that was made in the very image of God Almighty. Now think about that. What is an image? An image is a representation of something else, is it not? Okay? That's why the Bible says don't make any graven image of God. Okay? Mankind has a, it's a, it's a violation of the Ten Commandment to make any kind of image that tries to uh, replicate God. Okay? That's why I'm not a big fan of, of uh, religious statues, if you will. Okay, listen, we don't need some man-made object to represent our God. Our God is so big and powerful, nothing can contain Him. Amen? Amen. And so, but an image is a representation of something. And as human beings, we literally are made in God's image. And what's interesting, if you begin to read through the Scripture, and this is an interesting Bible study in and of itself, but you know what? You find out that the Bible describes God, and He's not limited to these things, but it describes Him. It describes the fact that uh, God having a mind, God having you know eyes that He sees, ears that He hears. Listen to me, folks. You want to know? Look, God's not going to be this you know some you know crazy orb of light. Now God is light, Amen. And God can you know probably transform Himself in anything He wants to be. But no, when we get to heaven and we see Him, you know what? He's not. He's going to look like us. We're going to look like Him, Amen. Because we're made in the image of God. By the way, when, why would the devil not try to pervert that? Because if he can get people to think that they're come, come from some, you know, uh, cosmic explosion some billions and billions of years ago that eventually resulted in this millions and millions of years of evolution where mankind came from monkeys. I mean, come on. Can you not see the origin of some of this stuff going on? Trying to pervert what God has set up? No, mankind is made in the image of God. By the way, not just man himself, but, but uh, the, the male race, but the female race. Made in the image of God. Okay, and now Genesis chapter 2, verse 7 and 8. Let's look at this verse here. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. By the way, you want to start getting proud? You want to start getting arrogant? Let's just remember where we came from. Amen? And understand that God uh, today chooses to start life different as far as how he started Adam life. Literally, he picked up dirt and made Adam. Okay? But you know what? Truth be told, we still are that. Okay, if it wasn't for uh, modern day techniques of of uh, um, uh, 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 being embalmed and, and and caskets and vaults, you just drop a person in the ground. Go back a couple years later. You know what you're going to find? Nothing. I, I talked to a guy one time who his business well, he was he was a grave digger, and the coal mine paid him to uh, uh, that they were going to come through and that they were going to go through an area where a cemetery was at, and they paid him to dig up all the graves 
and replace them into uh, or to another cemetery. And some of the graves were from like the 1800s, back before some of this modern technology was going on. And here's what he said. He says, when I dug up the dirt, the only thing we found was some gray clay. And he said, that's all that was left. So all we could do was take the little bit of gray dirt we found and transplant that to the new uh, cemetery. By the way, you know what? That's what we all are going to turn back to, amen? Right? These bodies of ours, because these bodies aren't the real us anyway. It's just a house that our real soul lives in. And so we're made from dust, folks. Amen? So don't get too proud and arrogant and haughty and cocky about things, because that's all we are. We're, we're, we're out of the dust of the ground. But here's what's interesting, the Bible says, And man become a living soul, and the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And then on down in the chapter, in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. And the Lord God said, it's not good that man should be alone. Can I get an amen there? Come on, that's right. Man, it's not good. Let me tell you, it's still not good for man to be alone. Right? Because I'm going to tell you, you can't eat it. You can't uh, live on frozen pizzas, right? Okay? Uh, cereal's not a meal, okay? And you can't live on that stuff. It's not good that man should be alone. I'll be honest with you. I'll be the first one to admit, I'm, I'm a mess without that, without that woman right there. Man, she helps me. She keeps me in line. She takes care of me. She even spoils me. Can you believe that? My wife's spoiled. I got a good one, by the way. Amen? And I think all of you men would echo that about your spouses. At least you better. Amen? <laughs> now listen to me. It's not good that man should be alone. I will make an help meet for him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam. And he slept. And he took one of the ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her into man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh, and she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. So folks, listen to me. Man was created first by God, formed by the hand of God from the dust of the earth, divinely gifted a living soul, placed in the garden, and was given responsibility and rules. Okay? That's how God made Adam, and that was the, the order and the, the origin that God made Adam in. By the way, when God first made Adam, uh, Adam lived for a little bit without Eve and found out, guess what? Uh, it wasn't going so well. By the way, this is, this is before the sin curse, amen? Alright, this is before sin came along. God understood, and uh, He wanted Adam to understand that, Adam, you need some help doing these things. And so, Then God decided to put Adam asleep, take one of his ribs, and from the rib of man make one. Isn't that interesting, by the way? How come God just didn't form Eve out of the dust of the ground just the way he did Adam? Because mankind, men were created a certain way, women created a certain way. By the way, there's a difference between the two. Right? And I don't care. No amount of, of, uh, of chemicals that someone puts in their body changes the fact that they are either male or female when they were created. Amen? So women were created secondly by God, formed by God's hands. By the way, even the hands of God, yes, just as they were involved in forming Adam, were involved in forming Eve as well. Took the rib out of, out of man, divinely gifted woman with the soul, brought her to the man for the purpose of being for the man a companion and a helper. God joined them together by sacred matrimony. Could you imagine being part of that service? Amen? And uh, nobody was there to witness it except nature and the animals and everything around. But man, could you imagine that? God being the officiator of your wedding. Man, that'd be awesome. Amen? 
Woman was so named because literally she was taken out of a man as a gift to man. That's what it means, all right? Uh, the word man's within woman. It means out of man. Man was instructed to make his relationship to her the most important of all human relationships and to faithfully cleave to her with the understanding that they were now one flesh. By the way, let's look, go back and look at that because I want people to understand God's plan when it comes to uh, our children, parents, as they grow up. Amen? Notice what God says, that they are to leave father and mother and to cleave to his wife. Let me tell you what God's plan is. Leave and cleave. God's plan. Okay, that means this, parents. One of these days, we got to learn to let our kids go. By the way, parents, they don't belong to us anyway. They belong to God. They belong to God. Listen, as much as I love my kids, I'm not raising them for me. Now, it's my responsibility as their dad and, and her responsibility as their mom, as their parents to instill within them the things they need. But why are we doing that? So they can go out and live for God and, and, and find God's will uh, for their life and be what God wants for them to be. And listen, we are to young people, one of these days when it's time, you're to uh, leave father and mother and cleave to your wife. That's God's plan. I don't understand parents who can't let go of their adult children. Listen to me, parents. They're not yours in the first place. Okay, let go. Amen? God's plan. They're to lead. They're to cleave. All right? So that's what uh, God established for them. And then God didn't just, uh, you know, randomly come up with this so Adam and Eve could just, you know, uh, you know walk around the garden staring at each other's eyes. No. What was the point? The purpose of Adam was to accept the responsibility and respect the rules God had placed upon him. The purpose of Eve was to provide help and companionship to Adam so he might better accomplish what God created him to do. So young men, listen to me. God made you, created you to find and perform His will for your life. That's what God made you to do. God made for uh, uh, a will for every single uh, person. And for you, young men, God has a will for your life. Now listen, with God's will come specific responsibilities and rules. By the way, what happened when Adam stepped outside of God's rules? Do we even need to say what happened? We're reaping the consequence today. You ever had someone die uh, uh, from cancer? Guess what? Adam's fault. Let's just be honest. Okay, that's where sin came from. That's what happens when you break God's rules. There's consequences for that. Okay, and I'm going to tell you something. There's consequences when we break God's rules. Okay, now thank God that uh, God knew Adam needed help with that um, responsibility. And so that's why he made Eve as his companion that he made specifically for her. So young lady, here's what that means. You were created to be a helper and a companion to the young man whom God will bring into your life one of these days. Your purpose is to assist him in God's will for his life. <gasps> you mean, you mean God didn't make me to go out and, and, uh, and have a career and, and make my own name in society? No! Only preacher in town probably got enough guts to say that. Okay? By the way, why would you be surprised when we step outside of God's will for things that things start falling apart? Oh, we're going to do it our way. Go ahead and do it your way. See what happens. Divorce rate over 50% and would probably be higher if people were married instead of shacking up together. You know why? Because we're going to do it our way. Go ahead. God says take your free will. Do it your way. But you're going to pay a price for it. Now listen, I'm not trying to make anybody feel bad who made mistakes in your past. Listen, you're, you're where you're at. 
You got saved. When you got saved, you can't help your past. You go on from where you're at right now to this point. Amen? But let me tell you, i got to preach some things so these young people can get it right. Amen? And I'm going to preach these things so our young people can know what the perfect will of God for their life. By the way, as an adult who may have had mistakes in your past, don't you want our young people to get it right? Don't you want them not to have to face some of the things you have to face because of maybe poor choices you made? Sure we do. That's why I'm preaching this way. Amen? Yes, young men, God made you for a purpose. He made you for a work. And young ladies, God made you to assist your husband in that work. Now here's the question. Are you willing to embrace your divine intent? Are you willing to embrace that? Young men, let me ask you a question. Are you preparing yourself to find and perform God's will for your life? Are you developing masculine traits that will help you succeed in this endeavor? By the way, why do we send our young men to outdoors men camp? So they can learn how to be men. Without apology. Without apology. Yes, you know what we teach our young men around here? Masculine things. Masculine things. By the way, mamas, let me just say this to you. Alright, as your young men begin to transition from being a boy to a man, you say, well, you know, what is that transition? Well, again, let's look biblically. God, when a young man in the Jewish culture turned 12 years old, in God's eyes, were considered a young man. By the way, you know what that means, mama? Start, start, start letting go a little bit. Now listen, they always need their mama, but they don't need you baby them all the time. They need to, you know what, do things that are tough. They need to maybe have to, for the first time, face some tough things, even if it means shedding a few tears. Now listen, I'm not talking about ridiculousness. Okay, I'm not talking about being mean. I'm not talking about, you know, going out there and, and uh, just doing stuff for the sake of being mean. But our young men need to learn to do some things that are hard. Here's what I always told uh, my daughters. I said, the first thing you do when you want to uh, check on uh, a man to see if he wants to marry you, the first thing you say, 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 do this. Hold up your hands like this. Because I want to see if there's some calluses on your hands. Because let me tell you something, I'm not interested in my daughter marrying some guy who he sure can do this all day. Oh, he might be good at Fortnite or whatever game he plays, but he don't have a, a lick of common sense when it comes to working hard and making a living. I don't want my daughter stuck with some guy like that. Amen. By the way, dads, it's our responsibility to teach our young men how to work. Amen? It's our responsibilities to do that. Listen to me, and I don't say this in a proud, arrogant way. I say it by the grace of God. But I would put my sons against any grown man any day when it comes to the work trade. You know why part of my business is booming in this town? It's not necessarily because of me. It's because when we go in some places, people are impressed with my sons. And I'm not saying that to be proud. I promise you I'm not. Listen, they're not doing what they're doing because of me. They're doing it in spite of me. But we've been trying to teach our sons some things. Now, guys, don't be getting a big head because I said that about you because God will knock you off your pedestal. I tell you, He will. Okay, but listen to me, dads, and still hard work with my, and it's not just my sons. A lot of the young men in this church know how to work. Yep. Now listen to me. It's our job as parents to teach them those things, to train them those things, because young men, you need to be learning masculine traits. You need to be learning how to lead. By the way, leaders, when they face problems, okay, don't look for their safe place, look for their cry room, all right, and call for mommy. That's not what leaders do. I understand young men do have to grow. And again, I'm not talking about ridiculousness, but I'm talking about young men learning to be masculine. By the way, without apology, you know what we're trying to do around here? Teach our young men to be masculine. Preacher, that sounds a little toxic. I don't care what the world calls it. Yeah, you're right. I probably do have a little toxic masculinity in me. Amen? 
We went to the doctor the other day, and we had to walk through the metal detectors. Yeah, to go to the hospital, go to the doctor, walk through metal detectors. Me and Elias looked at each other. We're like, oops. And so I said to the security guy, I'm like, we probably can't take our knives through here. He says, no, you got to take them back to your car. All right, I said, okay, Elias, give me your knife. Oh, that wasn't the right word. It wasn't knife. It was knives. And it was weapons, plural. Pulled out two switchblades and a set of brass knuckles. He said, preacher, were you mad about that? Yeah, I was mad about that. Like, Elias, I told you, you got to at least have five weapons with you, not three. What's wrong with you, son? We're living in a dangerous world. Listen, I'm glad. I'm glad my sons like stuff like that. But by the way, you know what? As much as it's important for men to learn to be masculine, ladies, moms, it's our your job to teach your young ladies to be feminine. Feminine. All right? And by the way, biblical femininity is not something that's degrading. It's something, truth be told, that's glorifying. You, if you do this and you notice, I'm going to tell you something. When, when, when a lady, especially in, all, in our culture, okay, when a lady, first of all, looks like a lady. I'm talking about looks modest but feminine, okay, and acts like a lady, walks in public. Let me tell you something. You are more of a testimony for God than we ugly mugs of men will ever be any day. Amen. Let me tell you something. Your, your, your inner countenance radiates where you go. Let me tell you something. People look at that and know something's automatically different about it. Amen? And mamas, you need to be teaching your daughters that stuff. They're not going to learn it on their own. In fact, it, on their own, they're not going to learn to be biblically uh, feminine. They're going to learn to be the exact opposite of that. Okay? It's your responsibilities, mamas. And by the way, daddies, I understand that we need to let our, our, our wives do that. But as head of our homes, we need to be making sure that stuff's going on. Because we will give an account as dads of what goes on in our home because we're the head of our home. And you better be having a conversation with mama and making sure things are happening the way they ought to happen. By the way, listen to me, dads. Think about this for a minute. Okay? You know how men's minds work. Okay? All right? You know what the wicked culture we're living in. All right? Do you want men eyeing your daughter the way people eye women in the world today based upon how they are dressing? Come on, daddies. You know how men think. And if you are allowing daughters to not be dressed in a way that's pleasing to God, and, and men look at that in this perverted society, we know how wicked and things are, and, and people look at that. And let me tell you, we bear some responsibility, amen? Because we are the head of our homes. Now, we like saying we're the head of our homes. Yeah, I'm the head of my home. Well, be the head of your home. Make the hard decisions, amen? I'm going to tell you something. There, there, there's a line going on. Uh, that's being that's being uh, trying to be blended here. So, young lady, listen to me. Let me ask you a question. Are you preparing yourself in every way to be a help to a godly young man? Are you accepting the fact that this life is not supposed to be centered upon you, but focused on the responsibilities God has designed for your uh, for for your husband to be? Okay, listen to me again. You say, preacher, that flies in the face of everything that society teaches. Good. I don't want their product anyway. Okay. Listen, you need to be teaching uh, your daughters those types of things. Let girls, are you embracing those things? Are you prepared to lose yourself in helping your husband succeed in his life's calling? By the way, that's where you're going to find happiness at. That's where a happy marriage is going to be at. That's where the most blessed life you can live at when you live that way. By the way, daughters of the world despise this teaching. Despise it. That, I mean, the names I would be called if I said these things... 
okay, and probably may be called these things, but I don't care. All right, listen, let me those. I mean, I am a I'm a bigot. Okay, I am a hater. I am a male chauvinist pig. You call me what you want to call me. I don't care. I'm more concerned about what God thinks and thus saith the Lord. That's Bible, amen? And daughters of the world fight to reverse divinely appointed roles and then wonder why their lives seem so empty and their husbands so miserable. Listen to me. Real ladies embrace God's divine intent. They don't just embrace it. They glory in it. And then last of all, let me give you this. God outlines a divine structure for the home. The home. The home is the first institution God ever established. By the way, I say it and I say it often. God's the one that established what a home is. Mankind has no right to try to redefine it. By the way, they can redefine it all they want. They can pass any law, any mandate they want, but it doesn't change what the Bible says. Amen? Here's what the Bible has to say. Here's God's plan. Amen? Ephesians chapter 5. I told you I had to turn that powerful thing on. It's going to get hot in here tonight. Amen? Here's what the Bible says. Wives, here's that word all the women seem to cringe at. Submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband's the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he's the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be subject to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ has loved the church and gave himself for it. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife, even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. You know what you see here? You see God's divine structure for the home. That means this, God's placed the responsibility of love and leadership upon the husband. God has placed the responsibility of respect and fellowship upon the wife. He's assigned man the duty of providing for the home, the wife the duty of being the keeper of the home. Children are the blessed result of this divine union. Fathers leading, mothers assisting, children obeying are the hallmark of a scriptural home. So you know what that means? Satan attacks divine intent. He attacks that. Satan encourages role reversal. That means this, husbands becoming the wives and wives becoming the husbands. It's happening in many, many homes across this country. And not just this country, the world. I mean, come on. It's the most pathetic term I've ever heard is stay-at-home dad. Makes me want to puke. Makes me want to puke. Dads, it's not your job to stay home and take care of the kids. Like it, lump it, powder, shout, that's Bible! Your responsibility to take care of your family. And I understand, folks, there are certain circumstances where maybe there's health issues going on. God understands that stuff, okay? I'm not talking about, you know, where maybe a spouse has passed away. I'm not, God's not talking about that. I'm not talking about maybe a husband has a debilitating condition where he can't work. No, I'm talking about where he can, but he won't. Okay? Listen to me, folks. We've got to stick with God's plan, God's divine intent. And when we stick with that, you know what happens? We, we, we have strong homes that are producing strong children then that God can reach down and use and accomplish great things for Him. Listen to me. You know, what the most stable people that I've, I've come, in contact, come in contact with and the people who can live the most normal life are those that fall within the confines of God's original intent. It doesn't mean we're perfect. It doesn't mean that things sometimes don't go as planned. But the best we can to try to live within God's original intent is the best chance of your young people turning out the way they ought to. Because let me tell you something, folks. There is so much wickedness that goes on in this world. So much wickedness. By the way, you step out of God's divine intent, it opens the door to all kinds of satanic influence. All kinds. You know a lot of this sexual abuse that goes on with children is because people aren't living within God's divine uh, law of intent when it comes to the home. 
Because there's all kinds of weird situations going on. Okay? I mean, you know, the Jerry Springer families, okay? I hate to use that term, but, you know, how else you describe it? All this stuff going on, people coming into the home, people, you know, uh, you know, bringing stepkids into the home, and all of a sudden you got blended families, and then all of a sudden, folks, Katie bar the door, satanic influence is there, and all kinds of wicked stuff goes on. You know how all that can be avoided? God's original intent. Now, again, folks, I'm not saying this to hurt anybody. If, if that's not how your life turned out, you go from where you're at right now. Okay? That's where you go from. But I'm preaching this to these young people right here. Because you know what? Their life's still a clean slate. And they need to hear preaching like this so they can know what God expects. And parents, you need to hear preaching like this so you can help them get to that point in their life. And spare them the bushel basket full of heartache and sorrow that will happen if they step outside of God's will for their lives. Let me tell you something. Saints coming for our young people. You better believe it, he is. Okay? I mean, come on, folks. Why would he not target the young people of White River Baptist Church? Why would he not? Amen? I mean, come on, you attend a solid Bible-preaching church, taking your kids to these places where they, they're they hearing about God, they're being encouraged toward the things of the Lord, they're getting saved, they're following God, they're accomplishing great things for the Lord. Why would He not target the young people in this church? So we've got to do everything we can to help equip them, be what God would have them to be, and be young men, be the masculine men God wants you to be. Okay, young ladies, you be the feminine ladies God wants you to be. I'm going to tell you, you find God's plan, God's purpose, you'll live the happiest life you can live this side of heaven. Amen? But if you do it your way, then you know what you're going to find out? The way of the transgressor is hard. Yep, yep. You'll find it out. Amen? So, Lord willing, as we uh, go through the summer, I'm going to be preaching on Sunday night. I'm going to give you uh, uh, what it means to be biblically masculine and biblically feminine. And I'm going to give you Bible principles that will help you, number one, in your own life, and then will help us as parents teach our children what God expects. Let's pray.